Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and with me today is a very special guest, Barbara Doust. Barbara, welcome to my program. Well, thanks for having me, Meredith. It's a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Barbara Doust is an acclaimed success coach. She's an inspirational speaker, and she's the author of a book that I've read and really enjoyed called True Love true self, a journey of self-love. And Barbara's focus is working on working with entrepreneurs, business owners, and individuals. And I love this, Barbara, to help them break through uh, a number of things that hold us back, fears, limitations, negative mindsets, things that keep us from being as productive and as accomplishing as much as we're really capable of. And so what Barbara focuses on is helping people rewire their brains so they can say goodbye to things like procrastination and low self-esteem and really step into the person they can be. And I've been so inspired as I've listened to Barbara describe some of her work that she's done with clients because she and I met at an event and I had a number of opportunities to interact with her and I just knew I wanted to interview her for my podcast so more people could benefit from her fabulous wisdom and experiences. And Barbara has a unique background compared to other guests that I've brought on my program. She has a background in theater arts TV and film. And so she has served as things like an acting coach, a director, a writer, and a producer. Very different, uh, Barbara, than the background of many of my other guests. And what's so fascinating is the way that you have combined your skills from these various roles into what you do now as a success coach. And so I'm very eager to get into the specifics of the some of the things you work with clients on so my listeners can benefit um, from the work that you do. But before we jump in, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about how did you come to be a success coach based on the background that you had? Well, thank you for asking and thank you for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> it's always nice to uh, reflect when you hear somebody else put it all together. Um, so essentially, as you mentioned, I was in the entertainment business for about 25 to 30 years. And I had always been a teacher and a coach on some level, even as a director. And about two months before my 25th wedding anniversary, I suddenly lost my husband, Patrick, to fourth stage lung cancer. Mm. And he was diagnosed uh, May 5th and gone three weeks later. So there was no, it was, uh, as my mentor, Bob Proctor, taught me, you know, there are a couple of ways that we change. And one is through, you know, constant space repetition of a new idea. And the other is through a traumatic event. So this was a, an extreme traumatic event, and I did not have the tools that I have now. I had never suffered depression in my life as I know it to be now. And, um, and I went on a journey, and as I started to just gain some, some grounding, my, I found my mother-in-law dead, and then my father died of fourth-stage lung cancer. My best friend died of liver cancer, and a two months of her diagnosis. And then my brother-in-law jumped out of a plane. He was the instructor, the diving instructor. And he was tandem with a student and the parachute didn't open and they both died. So I really spiraled into, uh, you know, what we call a dark night of the soul. I guess so. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, went um, down the path of uh, self-pity and victimhood and pretty much spent a good three years, you know, wanting to communicate or wanting to find a way to join my loved ones on the other side. 
And then somebody led me, you know, to one event after another event after another event. And I gradually, this was in 2003 when it all started to fall apart for me. And in 2007, I went to the University of Santa Monica to study spiritual psychology in a master's program. I had no intention of coaching. I just wanted to heal myself and and have a relationship with, um, I guess, spirit, you know, uh, that I wasn't really feeling uh, a connection with at the time. And after that, it led me to projects. And the big question was, how was I going to survive for the rest of my life? Because all my dreams had capsized. All my goals had disappeared. The life that I had been dreaming was gone. And um, I had to reinvent. So it was a big question. And then I studied um, in a law of attraction program called the Quantum Success Coaching Academy. Again, no intention to coach. I just wanted to heal myself. And after that, I had to start coaching if I was to certify. And, you know, people that I was coaching, mostly my friends, were having amazing results and their lives were changing. And I thought, hmm, there's something to this. So I took a shot at, you know, having a coaching practice and wasn't, um, I was really helping people through, uh, you know, spiritual laws and universal laws. But it wasn't until I met Bob Proctor in 2013, certified as a thinking into results consultant, which is essentially being a success coach, a peak performance coach, that I started to combine business with spirituality. And then I saw my results dramatically change. I doubled my practice and tripled my income in less than a year. And I've been really facilitating and focusing on that program ever since, alongside speaking, writing a book, um, and also creating other programs. And now I'm coming back almost full circle to incorporating my acting background and my directing background and my entertainment background and applying some of the techniques and tools from that arena into success mindset and living the best you. That is such a fascinating journey with the the consecutive painful losses that you experienced in such a short period of time. I really admire the uh, the work that you um, did to get to where you are today and being able to um, not just help yourself, but help other people. And so the first thing I want to get into with you that I see a lot with folks that I've interacted with over the years has to do with beliefs. Beliefs, not, not in terms of religious or spiritual, but beliefs about themselves and what's possible. And so I would love to... Um, get you to talk a little bit about what do you see with people with their beliefs, um, sometimes around money, but also around themselves and, and um, how, how do they struggle and what are some of the things that you do to help them get past the limiting beliefs? Well, great question. And it's, um, you know, it really has a lot to do with First of all, acknowledging that you have the limited belief. And more often than not, people don't even know that they have the limited belief. So how do you even find the limited belief? And most people, as Bob says, would rather die than think. And it takes thinking. It really takes going underneath a thought. And I like to call it a sponsoring thought. So you might have the belief that I can't for example, in my case, I can't direct a Broadway show. So right there is a belief. I can't direct a Broadway show. But I have all the tools and I have all the knowledge. And if I really wanted to do it badly enough, I have all the gifts to produce a Broadway show. But if I go underneath that thought, because my actions are showing that I'm not doing it, right? So it's to really examine one's results. So looking at my results, I'm not in the action of doing in order to create. Um, I'm not even, in my imagination, I've got all the pictures going. I've got all the images going, but there's still something blocking the action. So to go underneath that thought, I can't you know, produce a Broadway show. Uh, what's the biggest fear? 
And then when I ask that question, what's the biggest fear that I have, then I can examine that, well, what comes to my mind is I don't like to ask people for money. And then when I see that in my past that I produced all my shows with my own money, I used my credit cards to produce my shows, people offered me money and I wouldn't accept it. So, and then I go underneath that, well, what is that limiting belief, you know, and why is that part of my so-called programming? And then we go back into programming, which is, you know, our family and our DNA and our heritage and what are, are called our paradigms, right? Mm-hmm. And our paradigms are created through our belief systems, our parenting and the teachers, the media and culture, and how we've adopted beliefs that create our outer results. And if I go underneath that, I realize that, you know, a big belief in my family was that you never tell anybody outside your family what your problems are and you never ask anybody for help. So if that's the program, then, and I'm not aware of it, then I'm going to stay in the same program and get the same result, which is I'm not going to ask other people for help, I'm not going to ask people for money, and I'm not going to produce a Broadway show. Even on a conscious level, I think I believe I can. Mm-hmm. That's such an important point, because what you're really talking about, there are multiple layers. What we say initially is a reason why we may or may not do something. There's often a lot more underneath that. And since a number of my listeners are coaches, I'm curious, what kind of questions do you ask people to help them open up to the idea that there are these beliefs that they're holding onto that they may not be aware of? What have you found useful to get them to go, aha, now I see? Well, a lot of the time, it's I call them sponsoring thoughts. So I'll ask, let's investigate what the sponsoring thought is. So for example, somebody who's a financial advisor or somebody who's a realtor who doesn't want to pick up the phone to cold call or doesn't want to reach out to clients that they've worked with in the past to ask for referrals, then the questions are always, it's like they'll say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want, I'm not comfortable picking up the phone. Then the next question would be, you know, so what are the thoughts that you're having when you go to pick up the phone? Right? Because the thoughts are leading to the feelings. The feelings are leading to the actions, right? And those are all directly correlated to the beliefs. So uh, what is the thought that you're having when you go to pick up the phone? And then they'll say, well, I don't want people to think I'm pushy. So then that can lead to the next, well, what's the sponsoring thought under, well, you don't want people to think you're pushy. What does that mean to you? And then they might say, well, that means that, you know, um, they might think I'm salesy. I'm opportunistic. I'm, you know, interrupting their day. How dare I, you know, that their time is important and I'm not being considerate. Right. And so... Mm -hmm. Then, then you investigate even further, well, what, what is that attached to? And it might be their own belief system that a salesperson is pushy or that a salesperson is opportunistic or that a salesperson, you know, is wasting their time. So I tell my clients, well, you know, whenever you get a, a cold call from a telemarketer, pick up the phone. Open yourself to receiving that that's what they're doing. And allow yourself to be kind and courteous. The other part is that they might have the belief that the other person's going to be nasty or angry or rude. And they have issues around confrontation or what I call contrast or conflict, right? Or confrontation. And they're owning feelings that are not theirs to own right? So they're disempowering themselves. We all disempower ourselves when we give somebody else power over our feelings, you know? So it's really learning how to let someone else have their own feelings. 
and not adopt or adapt to that person because that's the feelings they're expressing. But it takes skill. It takes awareness. It takes, you know, practice. It takes being an observer of who you're being in any given moment. Mm-hmm. That's so, that's great. Uh, just imagining, you know, myself picking up the phone and calling and what thoughts would be going through my mind doing that. And I think what you, you mentioned there is so important, this idea that thoughts and feelings are so interconnected that then um, I've learned, you tell me if this sounds right, that if I'm having a, a specific feeling, often a negative one, I have learned to stop and say, okay, what's the thought that's triggering that feeling as opposed to just getting wrapped up around the negative feeling, but trying to identify where's that coming from? Yes. And and the way that I put it is what thought are you emotionally involved with? Oh, that's good. (laughs) Right. Because we have over, you know, and the stats change from 50 to 60 to 70,000 random thoughts that run through our heads daily, right? And most of those thoughts are thoughts we've had yesterday. It's just a loop, you know, of the repeated thoughts um, that we're not giving a lot of energy to. But the ones that we're giving energy to, the ones that we internalize, the ones that we emotionalize, the ones that we feel, the ones that are dropping down into the subconscious, those are, are the ones that create the feelings because a thought is a vibration. And the more amplitude you give that vibration the more it's going to drop down into subconscious and the more it's going to drop down into the body. And it's through the body that the vibration enhances, you know, you know, action and taking Mm -hmm. inspired action, you know, and um, just creating new behaviors based on the frequency that you're in. So it's really, again, an awareness of, you know, I also like to differentiate a little bit that sometimes we have feelings that are just addictive states. They're not necessarily um, a new thought coming to us, right? What do you you mean by that? Well, somebody could wake up in the morning and have anxiety. They're not even aware, like you said, of what the thought is, right? And if they're in a repeated pattern of every morning waking up to anxiety, it's usually an addictive pattern. They're not they have a house over their a roof over their heads, right? They're um, they're boiling water for a, you know a nice cup of tea or coffee. They're warm. They've had a good night's sleep, you know. But these anxious feelings are coming up, which have nothing to do with that. There might be a bear in the woods, mm-hmm. right? So it's part of a a pattern or a fear or a belief system that has been so um, grounded or, or in the neural pathway has been so patterned and programmed in the neural pathway that it just becomes an automatic response. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I remember waking up in the morning before I gained more awareness and, you know, stirring my tea and, and singing, I've got to work hard for my money got to work hard for my, and then I'm like going into a state of anxiety, right? And then catching that, what am I singing? What is, you know, it's just a loop, a loop, a loop, a loop. Mm. And in order to change those loops, because they're in neural pathways that have formed grooves in our brains, we've got to, I like to say, you know, the programs that I do help people to reprogram their minds and rewire the brain. Mm-hmm. Because you help them get into some new patterns, which take time. And that's where I think having a coach like you to offer that kind of encouragement and support as people are working on the new pattern to replace the old one, it, it, I, I find support's really important for that. Yes, yes. Now, the other thing that I think um, is important just from our earlier conversations, this whole idea of, of affirmations, mm-hmm. auto suggestions, would you talk a little bit about how that works to help with the reprogramming process? 
Well, you know, a lot of people will say affirmations don't work, or I've even heard people say action schmaction. You know, it's that you've got to look at your results, essentially. We are affirming all day long, whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. When we're saying, I'm not good enough, it's an affirmation. So a lot of people think affirmations are just a positive statement, but they're not. They're words. You know, words have power and thoughts have power. You become what you think about all day long. And so the energy that you give a thought, it's about directing a thought to have focused energy and to focus on what you want. Most people are focused on what they don't want. And because they're focused on what they don't want, they're affirming what they don't want. And so you're going to continually see what you don't want. It's going to keep showing up because your reticular activating system, which is part of your subconscious mind that goes into high intention, will give energy to it. And what you give energy to is going to expand. So it's really to be aware that an affirmation is just the way that you are directly speaking and giving energy to a focused idea or a focused thought. And the, you know, the most powerful words are I am mm-hmm. because in, you know, we, the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between the past, the present, or the future. It doesn't know the difference between real or imaginary. So it accepts whatever you give it as now, now. It's only here now. The past is here now. The future is here now. It's only here now. And the more energy, and you don't even have to give it, you know, 100% energy. As long as you give it at least like 51% conviction is, you know, is where I started. And even with my own affirmation that helped to really dramatically change my life, it was a personal affirmation. I was guided to write a personal affirmation. And I just started seeing things shift dramatically. I was a doubter. I was a skeptic. And um, I didn't, but I, I was willing to try anyway. So I like to say to a lot of my clients, you may not want to do something, but are you willing to do something? Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's to affirm in a positive way, using positive statements, what you do want to be on the positive pole side of things, because you know, as in the law of polarity, the law of opposites, there's a negative pole and a positive pole in everything. There's a negative pole and a positive pole in every cell in our body. And, you know, magnetism, it's either going to, you know, repel or attract. It's physics. It's really physics. And when you understand energy on a deeper level and that, you know, our bodies are a mechanism, they're a mechanism of our mind. You know, so the body is, um, is movement of the mind. Mind is an activity that's moving to and through us, and the body gets to express it. And we're either expressing or suppressing. And that it's really important that what you tell yourself on the inside, your innermost dialogue, is really what's going to be creating your outer reality. So let's talk about some examples of positive affirmations that a person might want to say um, to, let's say, build their belief in themselves, enhance self-esteem, so that they see themselves creating more, getting better results, having the impact they really want to have? Great question. You know, it's, um, there are generic affirmations, you know, um, I am abundant, you know, I am healthy, I am wealthy, and you can sing those and dance those and put, as long as you keep putting energy into them and repetition, repetition is going to, again, help change the neural pathways in the brain so that you want to be putting in good seeds and taking out the weeds. So the more you're focused on the weeds, the more the weeds are going to grow. You know, but you want to be eliminating and the, the, the less attention you give to the negative, right? The less it, they're going to die for lack of nourishment. Those weeds are going to die for lack of nourishment. So it's really about embedding and planting, you know, in and implementing into the subconscious mind over and over and over again, the new belief 
the new affirmation that you want to have. So one way that you can create an affirmation is to look at a limiting belief that you have, which is I'm not enough, and put in the opposite, which is I am enough. For some people, that might be challenging because they're really struggling to believe that they are enough. So that you might soften it and say, you know, I'm in the process of discovering my, my worth. I'm, you know, I'm uh, intending to be, um, to, to live in the fullest potential of my being, you know. And so it's really, you could take the limited belief and go to the opposite of that. Or you can use an affirmation on um, a new idea that you have to create something that you're excited about. So, um, for example, if you want to be a speaker, it could be, I am a successful keynote speaker. And to repeat that over and over again, I like to add to mind that I'm a highly paid successful keynote speaker. But then I also like to add a dollar amount to that, that I am paid you know, $5,000 plus for a keynote speech. So that the more specific that you get, the more directed your energy becomes, the more focused your thoughts become, and then opportunities will start to come to you that match the frequency that you are, you know, starting to live into. Mm -hmm. So it's really about energizing. Like my personal affirmation is I'm genuinely sharing loving kindness with myself and others as I revitalize hope and raise conscious living for the highest good of all. And when I started saying that over and over again, because my biggest issue was that, you know, I could be very, very kind to other people, but I was very unkind to myself. So I'm a recovering perfectionist and I would, you know, nothing could get done unless it was perfect. And now, you know, we do know, I do know that nothing is done. Nothing gets done, right? When you try to be perfect, perfect does not get done. And as I started saying that affirmation over and over again, people started coming up to me and introducing themselves to me and saying, you look so kind. And I was like, that's weird. A stranger out of the blue is coming up to me and telling me I look kind. You know, I know I'm kind, but I really needed to learn the lesson to be kind to myself. Mm -hmm. So a good way to look at developing an, an affirmation is what is it that you're really, really good at giving to others? Because usually what you're really good at giving to others is what you need to be doing for you. So I work with financial advisors who really are good at helping other people grow their money, but they're not necessarily as good doing it for themselves. And I work with therapists and they're really, really great at helping others, but their lives are, you know, a little bit in a mess. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's the, you know, the cobbler in the kids with no shoes. It's so when you can look at what you're really like, what you're passionate about giving to other people, you've learned and acquired the knowledge because you needed it for you. Mm, great point. Yeah. You see, and then it becomes easy to give it to others and to tell others to do the work and to see that others are having success. But if you're not having it, it's because you're not walking your talk. You're not doing the discipline or the work. So, and it's not, and that's where I used to be as a teacher. I helped a lot of people uh, acquire a lot of success, a lot of money, and I wasn't doing it for me. You know, I was helping a lot of other people be successful, but what I was telling them to do, I wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody creates an affirmation or a series of affirmations, because I have several that I, I have like a goal statement and then other affirmations about myself, how often do you recommend saying those in the course of a day in order to really get them embedded in the, in the subconscious mind and then also rewiring the brain for those beliefs? Well, I highly recommend that, you know, in the morning when we're still in an alpha state, mm -hmm. that's the time to do the affirmations. And then throughout the day, I have a swinging um, uh, crystal on my rear view mirror in my car. 
And whenever it swings, I grab it and I say my affirmation or I say my goal statement. So repetition is really the key to learning. And the thing is that during the day when we're in our beta state, the conscious mind is the judger and it's putting up a lot of filters. So it is blocking a lot of the affirmations that we're trying to drop into subconscious mind. We want subconscious mind to be open. And the best way to do that is to be in an alpha state when, you know, 30 minutes after we wake up, we're in an alpha state. 30 minutes before we go to bed at night, we're in an alpha state. Or during the day, really relax, do a meditation, center yourself. And in that place, drop in, you know, more of the affirmations because the conscious mind is a little more open to, we want to bypass the conscious mind. And the way to bypass it is when we're in a relaxed state or alpha state or through repetition, 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 repetition. So we're catching it off guard. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, sing your affirmations, dance your affirmations, act out your affirmations. And I mean, even when Bob Proctor said the affirmation, um, you know, we were to say, Bob Proctor, not only am I going to equal you in your achievements, I'm going to meet you at the post and pass you at the grandstand. And I was standing in the mirror saying this going, yeah, right. You know, the, the man's on track to make a hundred million dollars this year. I've just started my practice. There's no way that this is, you know, even a, a, a desire. How can I even make this a desire? But, you know, within two months, somebody came up to me and said, you know, Barbara, I think you're going to be making your own program sometime soon. And then within a couple of months of that, I was at a, an auction event for my spiritual center. And there was a, a, a home in the Dominican Republic that was up for auction that had, that could sleep 15. And people were saying to me, you should get that auction. And I'm like, Oh no, I just spent a whole lot of money. Um, you know, on Bob's program. And you know, right now it's not the time. And a man bought the auction for $1,700 and came up to me and he said, this is my gift to you. And I'm like, holy moly, that, this means I'm going to the Dominican Republic and I'm going to be creating my own program. And then the next thing was, and I just kept saying that affirmation, you know, Bob's affirmation over and over again. And then the next thing I knew, somebody came to a class and put down 35 pages of all my material that she had ever taken from me and organized it into a program for me. And then the next mastermind that I went to, somebody came in and handed me a flyer. And I'm like, this is getting real. So, you know, it's really make a list of limited beliefs that you are aware of having and write the opposite and you'll come up with some affirmations and start chanting them and, you know, really owning them through repetition. And, but make sure that the feeling is a good feeling. If you are in resistance, then put it into a different statement, such as I'm in the process of. It is my intention to, um, I desire to have, you know, or I am, you know, willingly receiving so that you're not resisting at mm -hmm. the same time. You could also write a list of limited decisions you've made in your life. So for example, I made the limited decision at one time that you had to work hard for your money. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do, how do I change that belief? How do I soften that belief? How do, so to go to a new perspective, a new perspective is you don't have to work hard for your money. There are people who don't work hard for their money, but that's still in a negative statement. So now that you've got that awareness, how do you put that into a positive statement such as, you know, money flows to me in increasing quantities on a continuous basis. Right. And I started saying that. And within, I kid you not, Meredith, within 10 minutes of saying that, a friend called me and said, um, I'd like to pay you to walk with me. And I said, What are you talking about? I walk three times a week. I'll just, you know, I'll just join you, just, or you join me. And she said, No, I want to pay you. I said, You're my friend. And she said, I want to pay you. I said, How much do you want to pay me to walk with you? She said, I'll pay you $1,200 a month. And I said, okay, I'm going to get exercise. And I said, do you want me to coach you as we're walking? She, and she was like, hell no. <laughs> I don't want to be coached. 
And I'm like, okay, okay. And then I just opened myself to receiving. I said, but why is it that you want to pay? And she said, because if I don't pay you, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I had to open to receive. Yes. Right. And, but it was really, you know, just singing and being playful with that affirmation. And then that popped in and, but I've had many things like that pop in, but I haven't been in the, the place of receiving, you know, I, I had a product that I was um, trying to get on QVC at one time and um, I needed like $20,000. A friend came along two days later, asked me how I was doing. I said I was working on packaging for my product. And he just out of the blue said, um, I can give you $30,000. And, but I couldn't receive. I just couldn't receive. So it's really important to be in a place of gratitude. Yes, that's such a key. And I want to go there with you. But first, I want to make a comment about what you were saying related to that affirmation and being playful with it. Because I bet some listeners relate to where I come from a lot of times, which is very serious about this. You know, I'm very intense. And um, so I'm not messing around with these affirmations, right? I got to get it right. And it takes away some of the joy and enjoyment of actually getting into the spirit of it because of sometimes thinking, I got to get it right. You know, am I saying this right? Do I have it worded correctly? There are those of us, it goes back to being a perfectionist, I guess. But this whole idea of um, having fun with it so that you, like you said, open to receiving whatever comes as a result of what you're affirming. Right, because if you're efforting, right, force negates, mm-hmm. right? It's a push, right. and it's not opening up the heart. It's not opening up to receive. Yeah. You know, another wonderful affirmation um, that someone shared with me is, uh, I'm worthy and deserving of all the good that I desire. And to look in the mirror and to look into one eye, mm-hmm. as you say it, you know, and then shift into the other eye and say it and um, do this for about three to five minutes. You know, I am worthy and deserving of all the good that I desire. And then into the next eye, I am worthy and deserving of all the good that I desire. And what this is, is it's called a VAC technique. Now, a VAC technique is visual, auditory, kinesthetic. Mm. So there are people who are visual learners, there are people who are auditory, and there are people who are kinesthetic, right? So it's like, however we can cross this corpus callosum of the brain, right? 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 Mm-hmm. And, and bypass the conscious mind to get it into the emotional mind, right? And so, and in VAC techniques, they've used this for, um, you know, patients who are paralyzed and are starting to regain motor coordination and it's right arm left arm right arm to left knee left arm to right knee so you're crossing right the two parts of the brain and so it's not just focused on one area of the right and as you cross the corpus callosum right i am worthy and deserving of all the good that i desire i'm worthy of the deserving of all the good that i desire it starts to again go deeper I also like to use the affirmation. It's a Wallace Waddles from the science of getting rich, mm-hmm. which is um, I can succeed. All that's possible for anyone is possible for me. I am successful. I do succeed for I'm full of the power of success. And then the playful part for me is I do the VAC technique. I take my right arm to, arm to my left knee. And I, you know, I just do the crossing and I just say, I can succeed. All that's possible for anyone's possible for me. I am successful. I do succeed. I'm full of the power of success. I can, right? And it starts building in the energy. Yeah. And I'll give another little secret because I, at this point, transparency uh, is what I'm all about. Um, But even when I'm in the shower and I have my, I I have a, a brush, a body brush, right? And I brush my body. I brush my skin. 
and I'm chanting, I can succeed. All that's possible for anyone is possible for me. I am successful. I can't, and my whole body, I'm just scrubbing. So the way I like to look at it is that when I'm doing the elbow to my knee, I'm getting a really great ab workout. And when I'm in the shower saying the affirmation and brushing my body, I'm getting great exfoliation at the same time. You know, so, and it's to be, it, it's to be as playful. I try to be, and I tell everybody, you know, get as illogical as you can within, you know, the confines of safety, you know, and just get illogical, hug the walls of your home. You know, I hug the walls of my house and I start to expand in my gratitude. I start to expand about the people who created it the people, the laborers, the wood, the people who had to bring it to the store, the people who had to put the price tags on the wood, the people who had to put the wood on the shelves, the people who had to, you know, who created um, paint brushes and the various kinds of paint brushes. And oh my gosh, the tools that we use in order to build this amazing structure for me to be comfortable and how each tool has its particular role and you know and then I just start getting into this whole concept of oh my gosh I'm driving in a car and my body's flying through space how is that even possible mm. you know somebody had to think <laughs> of this somebody had to create this somebody's imagination you know was just so brilliant and you know and so and from that place the more you're grateful the more you have to be grat to have to be grateful for the more you appreciate the more you have to appreciate and appreciation opens you up to receiving because that's what gratitude is. That's great. Yes. Um, this whole idea of being aware of the different things around us that we can be grateful for because we can overlook those so often. I love the list of things you just went through because too often we're just kind of narrow looking at the superficial, you know, I've got my cup here, I'm drinking out of it. And that's all I think about it as opposed to how it got created and what went into that. And so many other things that we have that we take for granted. So what I want to do, we've, we've talked about beliefs, affirmations, gratitude, and so many other things related to the thoughts and feelings. What I want to do now is get you to share some examples of some of your clients that you've worked with where, <coughs> excuse me, because of your work with them, they've had some pretty amazing transformations. Yes. Yeah. Well, there are a lot. And let me think about um, who I can share with you. Um, there was one woman who, and here's the thing, she didn't even know what she wanted. And sometimes you know, to direct people who don't know what they want is a, a wonderful opportunity to open up so many doors. And she had lost her business with her um, significant other who then they separated and they had an eight-year-old son and she ended up living with her in-laws. And But they had had a home together and they she couldn't afford the mortgage. And then the, the father kind of just disappeared. And um, so she was pretty much left on her own. And that's why she ended up living with her in-laws. But when she came into my program, thinking into results, she said that she wanted to get back into her home. Now, at that time, she was maybe earning $1,500 a month on the rent that she was getting from that home. And she didn't even have the money to join the program. And I just said, you know, if you really want it, make a decision. You're going to be in the program and the money's going to somehow, you know, it will appear. Within five minutes of our phone call, she called me back and she said, I just got a $2,000 check for my home insurance. And I thought I had to pay them $2,000, but it was for me. So she put the, that money into the program. And then her first three months, she ended up back in her home. And then she's decided, it was a five-bedroom home, she's decided to start renting it out on Airbnb. She started making so much money on her home that she moved out of that home. And because she could make more money not living there. Then she got um, 
a beautiful apartment in the neighborhood where she wanted to send her kid to school in the ideal school for her and him. And then she started, I introduced her to some other clients and she started renting out their homes on Airbnb. And hence, you know, she just kept growing and growing and growing. And I think that um, she's now on, on track to, uh, her goal now is $10 million this year. Mm. <laughs> you know, so she, I think now represents about 25 properties and is doing very well as she's growing toward 50 properties. So she managed to go from not knowing how she was going to survive to creating a business that she didn't even think she was going to do and has done very well. Um, then there's another lawyer that I worked with mm -hmm. who when she came into the program. She was just fired from a law firm and her intention was self-care just to take better care of herself. We focused on that, but by the end of three months, she had already been hired for another law firm. And then the next three months, she came back saying, you know, that um, maybe she will make more money. And when I discovered that, you know, her salary was less than her boss, who was making 200,000, and I told her, why not double that? She says, I can't make more than my boss. There's a perfect example of a limiting belief, right? So what I've come to understand even for myself is that money's a reflection of your self-worth and your self-value. Now, had I understood that more when I was in the entertainment business, you know, I probably wouldn't be here talking with you. So she then said, huh, okay, well, I'll make the goal that I am going to double my salary. And then she said, and maybe I'll be made a partner of the firm. And within the six months, she was made a partner of the firm. And not only had she doubled her salary, but an outside contract came to her that offered her 50000 a month. Mm. So she quadrupled her salary. And then again, came into the program again, because the program people, I, I never expected this, but people have repeated the program with me up to 12 times since I've started because they just keep setting, you know, the next C type goal, right? What's the next C type goal, the goal that scares and excites them that they don't know how to do. And, um, and so then when she came back, it was like, well, what's the next C type goal? And she realized that she was, taking a lot of the money that she was making and bringing it back into this firm where she was a partner and it was being distributed amongst the other attorneys who weren't being productive. Mm. So we reevaluated that and she left that firm and started her own firm. And she had the fear that she would lose that client that was supporting her. Well, not only has she, you know, sustained, she's created more and is getting more clients for her own firm that she's now hiring her employees to support her. Well, you know, I love both of those stories. The, uh, one of the lessons seems to be <clears throat> when you're thinking about it, overcoming limiting beliefs, you don't have to shoot for the moon. Shoot, you know, go for something that represents a challenge for you right now, but is believable, at least at some level, that it's possible. And then once you achieve that, you can shift to even a higher goal and, and then another one and another one. So you're constantly expanding beyond where you are but it seems like if somebody, if she had initially thought of starting her own firm or, you know, quadrupling her salary, the very first time she took your program, she may not have succeeded because that was like too far outside the realm yeah. of possibility in her mind at that time. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Well, and also because it wasn't even a desire and it wasn't even a desire because it wasn't even an awareness. Ah, okay. Right. Really so, good points. Mm -hmm. Another example, you know, I worked with a 72 year old woman who wanted to lose weight, but that's not a C type goal because she knows how to lose weight. She knows how to hire a trainer. She knows how to eat healthy food. 
So, you know, when I probed a little bit deeper, I found out that she really admired Ernestine Holmes. And Ernestine Holmes is an 86-year-old bodybuilder. So I said to my client, okay, so you're 72. You're, you're a baby. You're a babe in the woods. So how do you feel about signing up for a bodybuilding competition? And she took a deep breath, and then she said, I'm in. So it wasn't a C-type goal until she paid to be in the competition. Mm-hmm. Once she paid to be in the competition, then she had a date a deadline and she had a level of commitment plus she was in a group with us where everybody was holding her accountable and supporting her accountability then she went and bought her pink fuchsia bikini right and she, we started the visualization work and the imagination and acting as if work and then she went into her trainer and said i need to be here every day and she was at the gym at five o'clock in the morning every day creating a plank that she could hold longer than her trainer. Hmm. Now, mind you, she's 72. Then the other example of a C-type goal, um, again, you might not have the desire for it. Like she didn't even know she had the desire for the competition. She just knew that she admired somebody, right? And then she had been wanting to write a book for 25 years and kept talking about it. And so I said, Okay, well, we need to create the C-type goal to get into action, to get into a higher level of commitment. And then once you do that, then you create the strategies. So her goal, what we created was for her to invite all of her friends in a three-month period, at the end of three months, to a salon where they would listen to the first draft of her book. Right. But it's not a C type goal until the invitations are sent out. Because you could keep talking about, I'm going to invite my friends, I'm going to invite my friends, I'm going to invite my. Once she invited her friends, then she went, Oh, holy moly, this means I am going to have to write. So she dedicated herself. Now that you've got that C type goal, see, a lot of people will have a bigger, bigger vision that they're going to make a million dollars, but they haven't broken it down to that's $83,000 a month. So now that you have awareness, how do you strategize your next step? Clean out the limited beliefs, the muck, the mire, the goop, you know, the inner dialogue, the negative self-talk, the devil within, right? Clean out all of that to get to the next step. The fears, I'm pushy, I'm salesy, I'm, you know, all of those you know, limitations. And then once you hit that target, you have a feeling of, oh, I got past that one. So now that's a higher frequency. Now there's a feeling of success. Mm -hmm. Now let's add to that success and create the next target, clear out the limited beliefs, clear out the muck, the mire, the goop, you know, and just keep yeah. in the, the plan, the roadmap. You can't get to Chicago, you know, just, you know, driving your car out out your garage and think you're going to get to Chicago if you don't have a roadmap or a GPS system. Yes. So uh, what you've just described is so powerful and effective, the different components that go into, and to clarify, a C goal is a very high level goal. It's not something that you have any idea how to get to when you set it, right? That's and right. so you're, <clears throat> you set it like she did with the idea that, okay, now that once I've committed to it, then I'll figure out what I need to do. But initially you really don't have a clue. You just know that's where you want to go. Exactly. And I know we're running out of time and there's one more thing, Barbara, I don't want to let you go until we talk about it because this is another thing that I think holds people back is this whole idea of forgiveness, forgiving others and forgiving self and you've described this so beautifully in the past. I would really like you to share that here as kind of your final words of wisdom during our conversation. Yes. I mean, this is the piece probably that's the most important to me in my own life, you know, and the way that I look at everything is it's the law of reflection and that everything outside of you is a mirror of what's going on inside of you. And so I like to work with judgments 
And once you stop judging others, that's to me a key to freedom. And when, you know, just the languaging, just the thinking, when you are talking negatively about somebody else, if you've spot it, you've got it. So, you know, I was talking to a yoga teacher the other night and she said that, you know, she had been judging some of the other yoga teachers for being fake. And so I asked her, you know, if you're to reflect on yourself, why are you in your own way? What's stopping you from being more visible? What's stopping you from growing yourself? And her answer was, I'm afraid of being judged as a fake. So when you can really use your judgments, and the way I like to look at it is that we're in this ocean of motion. Everybody is just a bunch of atoms, molecules, and particles in form, which is called this body. We need a magnetic field in order to create form, and that we all have the same atoms, we all have the same molecules and particles, and that we're just interfacing, and that everything in front of us is for our growth and our learning and we're either winning or learning. There's no failure. There are no mistakes. And so as soon as you judge someone to put your hand on your heart and say, I forgive myself for judging so-and-so as a moron, for example, mm-hmm. because really, if you are in that judgment, there's a part of you that you've been calling yourself a moron. There's a part of you that you've been judging as limited. And it might not be for the exact same reason that the other person is, you know, a moron in your mind, but you can be guaranteed that there's a part of you that at some point, you know, has been in your mind a moron. So, or even if it's, you know, a parent or a loved one and you're judging them as being controlling, to put your hand on your heart and say, I forgive myself for judging my loved one as controlling. Because again, there's going to be a part inside of you. I work with a lot of people and I'll say, so your mother-in-law is giving you a really hard time. How are you in judgment of them? What would you say is the biggest thing you're judging about them? And the person you know, might say, well, um, they're very controlling. And it's like, okay, so now you've told me about the changes that you want to make in your husband is that, would you consider that controlling? Right. Mm -hmm. And so once they start that process of understanding that it's a point of attraction, you're in agreement with it. You're in harmony with it on some level. And the wonderful process that I love to do is to take somebody that you might be having a challenging time with and write a sentence and you know for every judgment you have i forgive myself for judging my father as and might say controlling i forgive myself for judging my father as unkind i forgive myself for judging my father as limited i forgive myself for judging my father as uneducated i forgive you know and to just let it come out but to say it to write it with feeling emotion and you might have 5 pages of it and then burn it You're releasing and letting go. And the subconscious mind is saying, I'm growing. I have to let go of this judgment in order to own responsibility for my own life and stop blaming other people for my limitations, for my beliefs. Now that I have awareness, it's up to me to choose my thoughts, to choose how I want to feel, to listen to the contrast, to listen to my resistance and move into the quantum field, to move into the future, to move into to the possibility, potentiality, to creation, imagination, joy, and as you said so beautifully earlier, to the spirit of life. And once you've done that, say for several people, do it for yourself. Make a list and burn it. And then come back, do it for seven days on, you know, on all these people. And you know, after about seven days, you'll see that there might be one sentence left. And if you've done that, you've done a very good job. That's such a powerful process. It's so powerful. To work through it and recognize, to me, the first time I heard you talk about that, this tie-in of forgiving someone is always because we've judged them in some way. Even if we see that they have offended us, we've judged them as offending us. In whatever it was that they did so it's 
to me, in the context of what we've been talking about, how do we get ourselves to the most uh, positive and powerful place that we can be? And a part of that is the letting go through forgiving of judgments we've made. And I know you and I have talked about this of ourselves as much as anyone else, because if we're finding ourselves judging others, that in itself is something that we need to look at within our own lives because of the thoughts that go in our heads about criticizing ourselves. Yes. So I I just think that is such um, an effective exercise to get in touch with where we are pointing the finger at other people and look at the fact that that's really pointing at us as well. Yeah, because otherwise it's victimhood. Mm -hmm. It's not empowerment. And one of the things that um, is a a practice for people, for myself, that helped me a lot was to step into the resistance, walk toward the resistance. So if I'm in contrast, I know that I'm not emotionally involved with the, the right idea for myself and to work with that contrast. So if I walk into a room and there's somebody who makes me uncomfortable, so let's say, or I feel uncomfortable, or I'm choosing to be uncomfortable, or I'm ready to um, judge that person as a snob or arrogant or jealous, whatever it is, I immediately walk toward that person because I know it's a reflection of something inside of me. Mm. And I'll soften, you know, as I'm talking to them, you know, with the affirmation, let's just say over and over, um, I'm genuinely sharing loving kindness with myself and others and just, you know, be thinking loving kindness, loving kindness, loving kindness, and then realize that, you know, that person was just extremely shy or that person had a really bad day or, you know, I learned when I lost my husband. And I, you know, I had always been a positive person with a smile on my face. Well, I wasn't walking around with, you know, too many smiles at that time. And somebody said to me, smile, it's a beautiful day. And I was like, you just don't have awareness, you know, and that somebody else's journey or somebody else's story, it's just there for you to look inside you you know, and that, and then, then softening. And and there's a big difference between judgment and discernment. You know, you can walk into a place and discern that it just doesn't feel like it's a fit and you walk out. Right. Right. Judgments when you have emotion and you've got high emotion attached to it. You know, and so, I mean, if you walk into a place and you judge people as a bunch of losers, you know, well, where in you are you judging yourself in such a harsh way? And what are you going to do differently to change that view of you? And you could still feel that, but what are you going to do differently? And so that's the question I like to ask all my clients all the time. What can you do differently? Because if you keep doing it the same way, we know what that definition is, right? Yeah. It's just, again, the definition of insanity, expecting a different result. And that's what pushes us right back into victimhood, blaming outside of ourselves, focusing on lack, you know, instead of focusing on abundance. And then it's just going to keep showing up as you keep putting attention on, you know, whatever the focus is. Mm-hmm. What a great way to wrap up, Barbara. We could talk for hours, um, I know. Uh, and there are probably many people listening to this that would love to get more of you also. So where can they go to connect with you and learn more about you and the services you offer? Well, thank you for asking. They can go to www.barbadoust-tir.com. And that's with my coaching programs. And then also www dot vibrant results.com that's a brainwave frequency program that i've created with a doctor a cardiologist in spain and it's called your genius code unlocked and anybody who wants to reach out they can always email me at barbara at barbadaust.com and that's d-a-o-u-s-t yes barbara mm-hmm. yes thank you great 
Well, thank you, Barbara. There's so much you've shared today that bears reflection and repeated listening. I appreciate so much your willingness to give and share so much of your wisdom and experience over the years. You're so welcome. I'm still growing and learning. It's like, you know, it's a daily practice. You know, it's a discipline and it's like a day-to-day consistent effort. It's a deliberate conscious effort and it's always about moving upward. Well, thank you for that uh, important closing statement because it really is true. We need to recognize we never arrive. There's always more to learn and grow. And so not having that expectation expectation that we'll finally get there one day. The whole thing is a journey and sure uh, let's have fun on it. So yes. I'm glad to be on it with you. Thank right? you. <laughs> Why not make it a game of life, right? Yes. Thanks, Meredith, for having me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.